Hi, this is Dr. Rebecca. The views and opinions expressed on this radio show, Mastermind, are not necessarily always the view of the host. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions or beliefs that I have. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or mitigate in any way any disease or condition, or to promote any specific lifestyle, belief, religion, political affiliation, or other personal practice. Nor is the information presented necessarily accurate or verifiable. Welcome. It's time to tune in and elevate your consciousness. This is Mastermind with your host, Dr. Rebecca. This show is about possibilities. If you're tired of boundaries and limitations, or simply looking for a new perspective and fresh outlook on life, you've made the right choice. By the end of this hour, you will be a changed person. If you're motivated to make the necessary changes in your life, we'll provide the tools, direction, and encouragement to help you along the way. Now, here's Dr. Rebecca. Welcome back to Mastermind. This is your host, Dr. Rebecca Huey. And what we've been doing is bringing back some of our favorite guests to the show. So today, I have a very special guest, Mr. David Huey. You might remember him. We did a really, really interesting interview some months back on the power of sound. So if you haven't heard it, I do suggest that you go back and listen to it. It's one of the, uh, the power of music, sorry, power of music, um, one of our better shows. So um, Mr. David Huey, of course, is my brother, which is why we have the same last name. And um, he's an opera singer, has also been on um, several Broadway productions as well. So really talented and really fortunate to have him as a brother and also to have him on the show today. So David, welcome back to Mastermind. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me back. So since we last talked, a lot has happened, including a pandemic. So we have a lot to catch up on. I'll first, I'll just start by asking you, um, where are you and what are you doing right now? So uh, I'm in New York City. And um, at the moment, I'm just in my house. And these days, that's pretty much where I am. Um, Any work I do, for the most part, I'm doing it from home. And... uh, yeah, I'm just sort of trying to be responsible and stay in the house as much as possible and, uh, you know, living life that way. Okay. So it's interesting you say work from home because that means different things to different people. Um, like I'm in front of a computer a lot. And I just wonder when you work from home, what, is, what types of things are you, are you doing? Are you able to do at home? So that is a really good question because uh, work from home does mean several different things um, and rarely does it mean what I mean. So um, (laughs) I have been doing several what they call readings, uh, a lot of Broadway shows before they become Broadway shows, your your composer, your writer, your book writer, your producers want to sort of get a feel for what the musical or play um, sounds like, uh, you know, in the, in, in the mouths of actors. So, you know, I've been part of these 
tests for these shows. Um, I've actually done a virtual musical. Um, oh. I that was pretty. That was sort of at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I've done some some voiceover work. Um, really fun voiceover work. Um, I can't speak much about the project, but it, it, I was asked to do um, some background vocals for a soundtrack to a show uh, that is supposed to be released next year on a major, uh, major network or major streaming platform, I should say. Huh. And um, I've done some studio work. There's a musical that I was involved with before the pandemic hit. And... Um, so that musical finally decided they wanted to put some, some things um, to record some of the, some of the, the show. And uh, so I was in the studio maybe two weeks ago doing that, uh, which was an interesting experience in the studio. You know, it's really actually very COVID friendly. You, you know, if you go to the right studio, everyone oh, is in their own the booth. isolated booth and you have headphones and monitors and, you know, you're doing your own singing your own speaking from, you know, your own little pod. Right. So that was fun. And um, yeah, so that's what, that's the working from home. I've, I've been doing a lot of recording stuff and sending it in. I have a, a green screen here and a camera here. Mm -hmm. I have to, you know, record things and send them out. Um, so, yeah. That's interesting that you said the studio was COVID friendly. I never thought about that. But if you're in a booth, like in a recording studio, mm -hmm. that seems like the ideal way to to do things. So I wonder in general, um, I mean, it brings me to, uh, well, what you said brings up a lot of questions. Uh, bef before I get to a couple of things you said, I do wonder how um, with the recording studios, um, has that been an industry that, or a segment of the industry that may have been hit less hard given that, that yet yeah, people are still isolated, still able to record in their own booths or do you know? Um, I'd, I'd say so. Um, but however, you know, the people, the most, most of the people who are recording in these really top level studios that I'm speaking of are very, very established artists and so um obviously they probably aren't as hard hit mm -hmm. um as those of us like in the broadway industry and and things like that um so yeah those re the 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 recording industry i think can to some level keep going i mean you do have some concerns and with every uh depending on how big your project is you're still talking about bringing groups of people into a building to do something right. but um you know if your project is reasonably sized um everyone is spaced out everyone's in their own booth and all of that um yeah i, I would say definitely the recording industry has hit less than the um than, than the theater industry for sure okay now you did mention i know some things you can't talk about so let me know how much you can talk about but you did mention two things you mentioned that you did a, um, a virtual musical. And so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, now that I can talk about, okay. um, although I don't know very much about its origins and how it came to be, but 
um, it, it, it was a musical about post-traumatic stress syndrome, hmm. which was ironic because when wow. the project was dreamed up, I don't think any of us knew what was coming. And even though we recorded it in the pandemic, um, it was at the beginning of the pandemic and had already been written and, and all of that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's called Look For Me. And mm-hmm. um, it, was, it, it, was an, it was an interesting, it was an interesting project because to record a musical on Zoom, it takes a lot of logistical sort of cohesiveness mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a challenge it really was a challenge trying to um to bring all the components together um it was like filming your own scenes um sometimes with the other person you're in the scene with not being there and even when they are there they're they're in a, a zoom screen which is feels completely different than relating to a person on on screen yeah. on stage um you know and there's a lot of technical things because of course you can't have a cameraman go around to everyone's house we're all over the country so the angles you want to get and the lighting you want to get and all of that they have to be really specific and try things out and you know it was a learning experience for for everyone involved yeah i would imagine you relate to somebody different well not imagine i know you relate to people differently on zoom than when you're in person with them um, and for some things, it's okay. Like in a business meeting or something, it might, you might mm-hmm, be able mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. just get by with it. But if you're trying to, to film something that's going to like for PTSD, that really counts on drawing people in and it's emotional and you, you need to connect with your audience. And it seems like the people would need to connect first in order for, to establish a connection with the audience. So, yes. Definitely. It's, it's much different. It's much different. Um, you know, especially pieces that are more emotionally involved. Uh, you mm-hmm. read off of your partner, your scene partner or scene partners um, when you're acting. And it's hard with just sitting there in your, uh, <laughs> your pajamas or whatever, <laughs> a little bag of tortilla chips underneath the chair. <laughs> And you're supposed to call up the same amount of emotion as if you, you know, it is, it's, it's a challenge. I, w- I won't say what my work at home uniform is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so, and then something else you were doing, um, which you've done some press for also afterwards is Grace, which is a mm. musical. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you've done some press for it and you were working on it. This was actually a project that you were working on when the pandemic hit, correct? Correct. We were right in the middle of rehearsal. Um, yeah, we were right in the middle of rehearsal when it hit. And it's funny because it's hard to go back in time and remember the state of the world before that. Mm. And yeah. um, even when the pandemic was a thing, it we were all processing it the same way we were pro- we had processed so many of these uh pandemics that never really affected us we you know or to the to the certainly none of them to the level which this one has so we had swine flu and h1n1 and i remember i'm old enough to remember west nile and um you know some of the other ones that you heard about on the news 
you saw the footage, you know, but you it didn't really hit home. So we had heard about this thing and but we you know we still got up and came to rehearsal every day mm-hmm. and then there was a point where they this was in kentucky it was at the humana festival which is a big theater festival um at the uh, actors theater louisville and um you know at the most they they said okay well the governor says we we can't assemble publicly until i think it was then it was like april 4th or something so okay. we said, well, we're, we can still do the musical. You know, we can hold off until April 4th and, and still perform. We had no idea the amount of, like, devastation and complete shutdown yeah. that was on its way. Uh, none of us had ever experienced anything like that. So it's like, because I do remember around that time and everybody kind of was doing the same thing. So I guess the sentiment was, was the same. It's, it'll, it'll pass they would say, oh, we're going to postpone this for a week or for two weeks, or we're just going to hold off for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And then it became a month. Then it became, okay. I, like, it took a long time for this country to just face the reality that things weren't yes. going to just go back to normal in a couple weeks. Exactly. Exactly. So you were doing, so you were doing, um, you were working at, you were at the Humana Festival in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And you were working on um, this musical called Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, we do. We have about maybe four and a half minutes left. I just okay. wanted you to talk a little bit about that, and then maybe we can follow up after the first break. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear about what this was about and and things like that. So Grace, um, the the name Grace comes from like saying Grace at a table before you know you eat. Uh, it is about an African American. Uh, family who owns a soul food restaurant, but they have been in the catering and soul food restaurant industry for about a hundred years. And um, there is a loose storyline behind it. For instance, there, there's a point at which, um, you know, the news comes that they're struggling with the business and talk about them maybe having to close or whatever. And that sort of, um, strike that causes within the family and they start kind of lashing out on each other and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But behind it all is this really interesting concept that none of us have really ever thought about. Certainly me, I'll speak for myself, is about the um, how African-Americans started the catering industry. Hmm. And uh, it makes sense when you think about it. It's just something I've never thought about. Uh, you know, certainly post-slavery, um, the people who were doing all of the cooking mm-hmm. were, were African-Americans, were Black people. And, um, you know, mm. the, certainly it was at a time in society where there was m- more of a divide, less of a middle class. So, you know, any of your events that people would be having, that there would be hired help, uh-huh. those people would have been uh, African-American. And so um, they sort of go into history and drop names of the pioneers of, of, of catering and um, yeah. And, and, and culinary, uh, culinary um, institution. And 
it becomes a history lesson at the same time as you get wow. to experience this this family's story. Wow. Okay. Um, the history of catering. Yes, that's something I never thought about. I mean, so many things in American history you don't think about as a mm. as a having a beginning or an right, origin. right. No, <laughs> obviously they do. Yeah. But that's that's cool. So and then to the people who were doing who had been doing all of the the cooking beforehand, still obviously unless people learn to cook really quickly, still had to continue to do mm-hmm. the cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, except now they were being paid and they would bring the the food to the events. Mm-hmm. And 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 also to be clear, that would have been a job back then that was looked down on to some extent by the upper class. So it wouldn't occur to them necessarily to do that yeah that was the job of the help right and most of the help uh you know at that time were 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 african-american so so you were working on grace so what where is grace now what is what is uh are you still working on it or what what is the status of that musical right now uh it's in limbo with everything else and it's funny because we're at a time now where everyone is trying to figure things out everyone usually you know the higher-ups know the producers know uh people the presidents of the unions and stuff they know but we're all treading water right now everyone and so um it's hard to say the plan it's going to be really contingent on when people can safely gather in groups again. And, um, you know, perhaps some digital or virtual version of it may be being discussed, but, Hmm. you know, they haven't made us uh, aware of that as of now. So um, it was a big deal that we were even, you know, recording in the studio. So that's some progress that shows that there are some intentions there. That's good. Okay, here's the fact that you're back in the studio. Um, so we need to take a little break here, and right. we will continue after the break. We're talking to David Huey, and you're listening to Mastermind. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You. 
You are listening to Mastermind with Dr. Rebecca. If you have a question or comment, feel free to email us at drhuey at lifthealing.com. That's D-R-H-U-G-H-E-Y at lifthealing.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now back to Mastermind. And welcome back to Mastermind. This is your host, Dr. Rebecca Huey, and we have been talking with David Huey. And we were before the break, we were talking a little bit about Grace the Musical, and you're telling us about the history of catering and how African-Americans were instrumental in starting catering after, especially after slavery ended. And obviously food still needed to be cooked. And that was primarily done by people who had formerly been enslaved uh, because of the class that they were. And which was really interesting because we talked about the origins of things that we know started somewhere, but we just, it's, we don't always think about how they started or where they started. And I wondered, so this musical seems to be really rich in history and also really rich around tradition, especially when it comes to food. And so during the break, we were just talking a little bit about that. And David, I wondered if you could just share with us what your experience was around food during the musical and then how the musical may have changed the way you look at, you know, food traditions, how you look at your own or our food traditions and um, the way, the way we eat as African-Americans and just as people in general. That's a good question. So firstly, uh, my, my diet is plant-based and has been predominantly plant-based since 2012. And of course, I didn't grow up that way. We weren't raised that way. Mm -hmm. And so I have a very strong memory about soul food and uh, you know, everything that it means, uh, how good it is, the taste, the texture, smell, everything. And so all throughout rehearsals, we are just, talking about soul food and say woven (laughs) sort of you know life meanings and other things into the texture of these pieces that are talking about how how to make black eyed peas or uh Mm. you know that just listing off all the different soul types of soul food that we eat and so um it was difficult because especially when I'm doing a show, I'm pretty strict with my diet so that I can perform, you know, at the highest level that I can. And Mm -hmm. so it was difficult to want to partake just because this was my environment at the time. So for instance, I think when we first got there, they threw a big dinner for us. That's what I was going to ask you. Did they finish it? (laughs) And um, it, it, it was, I mean, it was a spread. It was like the first day or one of the first days we were there. And it was so thoughtful and so generous of them to do. And I, um, you know, it's hard because I don't want to draw attention to myself, but of course you're mm-hmm. sort of required to be there. And of course, everyone's going to say, well, why aren't you eating anything? Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. And, uh, you know, I must've told somebody, yeah, I, I can't eat anything up here. Even the, <laughs> even the salad dressing is like, 
milk, you know, right. cream base. Because <laughs> um, that's my go-to. Okay, I'll just get the salad. Salad. Red, I'll, I'll do that. And um, so they felt so bad that they hadn't asked anyone, like, if they had dietary mm-hmm. preferences. And, um, and it was funny, but it, it is difficult because when you're immersed in a piece, when I'm immersed in a piece, I want to experience the world of that piece, even outside of rehearsal and outside of the stage. Yeah. Um, so if I'm playing someone who is a part owner of this legendary soul food restaurant and, and every song somehow is about some aspect of soul food or cooking or eating, even when I'm not in rehearsal, I, I want to go to the local you know, place that is famous for barbecue or the place that is famous for soul food or whatever, just so that I can sort of get that in, in my person, in my makeup, um, to bring some layer of authenticity to what I'm doing. So it's, 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 it, it was difficult to be basically vegan during this whole time, um, you know, you've got fake food up there. Oh, man. Um, and, and all that. I don't think we used any in rehearsal, but that was still the concept. So there were some empty bowls and, and things like that that we had to pretend like were fake food. But um, it did bring in, and to get more specifically to your mm-hmm. question, it did bring an awareness um, that there is a rich cultural culinary history in the African American community in the African diaspora. Right. If you want to have that conversation, you get into um, how similar throughout the diaspora, how similar African peoples have, um, how how similar their, their cuisine is. Right. Virtually very often the same food, but with the, whatever they had access to. So if you're on an island, and you have access to this type of legume and you have uh, access to this, to coconut, coconut water or, or whatever, you know, it changes somewhat than when you're on the state side and you, you have access to more corn or, mm-hmm. or so you've got cocoa bread in Jamaica, but you've got cornbread and mm-hmm. that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but um, there is a culinary history and that I think we have as African-Americans have just taken for granted so long um, our food as it pertains to us and our family gatherings and our, um, you know, after church gatherings and, and, and our restaurants and things like that. And don't really realize it is a, it's, it's, it's a culinary um, institution in and of itself. So you have Thai food, you have Japanese food, you have, and it's, there's, there's, um, there are do's, there are don'ts, there's, there are systems, there are cultures surrounding it. And um, it, what it did to me, and this is, <laughs> this is trying to get long way into the heart of your question. It did <laughs> cause me to, to really respect my cultural culinary tradition in a way that mm. I put it up with the other traditions of the world. Mm. 
which I had never done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, you know, this is how we eat as people, but, you know, we go to nice Italian restaurants and yeah. nice Thai restaurants and Chinese restaurants. But um, it, it caused me to respect to respect our our culinary tradition in the same way that I respect others. Because it's every bit as intricate. Um, it's every bit, um, you know, when traditionally how you make a pot of collard greens is so much of a process. Yeah. And it true. takes all day to do, you know, just like any, any, any other cuisine, you know, you go to this, to this culture or that. And they say, oh yeah, well, we've got to spend all day making this sauce for this or spend all day preparing the, uh, the meat this way or that. And um, it, 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 it added a level of respect objectively right. um, that I hadn't had before because I just took it for granted. I think that happens. That's common. You grow up with a certain thing and you just you see it as common because it's common for you um, or you see it as just regular, ordinary. Um, like you said, we, we, we can go out to, you know, I like Italian food or I like Chinese food or Thai food or whatever. And it's a thing, but when you eat your own food, it's like, Oh, it's just food. But it's like you said, every bit as intricate and every, every bit as involved as any other cuisine. Um, but just has become so familiar to us that we don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so it sounds like, well, first of all, it sounds like a really interesting experience as a vegan doing a musical about soul food. So you must have very, you must be very strong-willed because <laughs> I can you just don't. smell it <laughs> right now yeah. just talking about it. It's funny that because my plant-based diet has brought a balance to my body. And the way I got there was not intentional at all. 2012, I was doing a Broadway show and, you know, um, wanted to get healthier or whatever. I don't remember what it was at the time. But I said, I'm going to do a 30-day fast of some sort or diet of some sort of cleanse. That's what it was. I Uh wanted to cleanse. And I had had a friend that was a vegan and that honestly, that was my only sort of portal into veganism. This was not as big a thing uh, back then as it was, as it is now. And um, so I just picked that idea out of the hat and I said, I'm going to be vegan for 30 days. (laughs) And it changed my body. Within the first week, it changed my body. It was like my body had been asking me hmm. um, to do this. And um, so even though I had grown up eating everything under the sun, mm-hmm. um, it, the plant-based diet brought a, a balance to my body. And um, when I have to perform, I have to deliver, um, I'm pretty strict, not because of the willpower, but uh, because if I step outside of it, yeah. for instance, if I, if, I, if I took a sip of a milkshake before, I, I couldn't sing. Right. No way. Absolutely no way. The, the phlegm just starts coming up and uh, my throat starts itching and, and that sort of thing. Um, 
and the same thing with 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 all the the sort of animal products. So I would love to say that it was just my willpower, <laughs> but um, it's it was more you know sort of a sense of duty. Right. You can't if you can't do your job. Yeah, that makes a that's how you make your money and how you mm-hmm. you know your voices your reputation too. And, mm-hmm. So it's more of a need, not a, a want. It wasn't a choice in a lot of sense. Right. Well, that's good. I, I, so definitely a vegan, a plant-based diet or even vegetarian diet will change your body. And I think that that's one thing that's great about soul food nowadays is that there's a lot of Black people who are still cooking soul food, but more mindful of, you know, being more plant-based or, you know, trying to maintain the flavors of a lot of our mm-hmm. traditional foods, but mm-hmm. make sure that they're healthier, make sure that we're healthier. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about the pandemic hitting, you know, African-Americans harder because of all these pre-existing conditions like diabetes and high blood pressure, it just, it's a good time to talk about food and to talk about how we can eat differently and how we can change what we put in our bodies and still honor the cultural tradi- traditions that we mm-hmm. that are important to us because you can do mm-hmm. both. Oh, absolutely. And and you know, our ancestors did not have access to a fraction of what we had access to, have mm. access to. And so I understand the nostalgia and the cultural connection that comes with being very traditional in the way that you prepare soul food. Um, But we have access to so much now. And so, for instance, um, yeah, in order to flavor your collard greens in 1893, you probably just could throw a a slab of of pork in the pot with it. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, But I mean, I go to 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 a grocery store now and and what the types of broths there's 400 different seasonings that i have access to spices herbs there's liquid smoke there are um you know vinegars and and all kinds yeah. of things. and so it's really just about doing the work you really you know this has been a long process for me and so I've learned how to make the, the, the types of soul food that, um, that I miss in a, vegan, um, in a vegan way. And to be honest, it's really good. And I'm still one yeah. of those vegans who, 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 who can admit when something's not good. Or, <laughs> some vegan stuff is not you know, good. Some, well, some, yeah, you know, some vegan <laughs> stuff is not good. Too. Exactly. And, but some vegans, you know, say, oh, this is just as good or this tastes mm-hmm. just like uh, roast beef or whatever. And, you know, sometimes there are things that you eat that fool you. I'm sorry. There are some products out there um, that really do taste like what they say. But then there are things that aren't. And I certainly can admit that. But I feel that I've really worked to figure out how to prepare my soul food in a way that is as good. Mm-hmm. Like my collard greens are going to be as good. If you are looking for the pork, if you're doing it because you like the pork in it, then right. you probably won't be satisfied. But also what you really want is pork, not greens. <laughs> but in terms of flavor, 
texture, all of that stuff. I, I, you know, I think I've, I've worked a lot of things out over the years. I agree. Yeah, you're a good cook. I've had your, you know, your fried oyster mushrooms mm -hmm. and the macaroni, vegan macaroni and cheese, the mm -hmm. collard greens, the vegan mm -hmm. cornbread. It's delicious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... I yeah, it's funny. Our mothers figured out the vegan cornbread better than I have. And I can't tell, I honestly can't tell the difference between that and her regular cornbread. Oh, I didn't notice it. Okay, well, maybe I can't notice the difference either now then. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we do have to take another break. Okay. Um, after the break, we'll come back and talk a little bit more. I want to ask you some questions about the entertainment industry and just some, some of your opinions about what comes next and what mm, people are okay. doing. So yeah. after the break, we will uh, right. stay tuned. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Many people don't like to talk about death, but like it or not, it's going to happen to you, me, your loved ones, and everyone. It's best to ask the important questions sooner than later. That's where inspiring end-of-life conversations with Hosnina Impala can help. We cover all of the important questions, including aging loved ones, cancer, losing a child, hospice, pets, and messages left by our loved ones. Tune in Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Mastermind with Dr. Rebecca. If you have a question or comment, feel free to email us at drhuey at lifthealing.com. That's D-R-H-U-G-H-E-Y at lifthealing.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now back to Mastermind. And welcome back to Mastermind. This is your host, Dr. Rebecca Huey, and we are talking with David Huey, uh, my brother, and uh, he is in Broadway star, uh, also opera singer. And we've been talking about a lot of different stuff. We talked about the music industry and some changes. And we also talked about Grace the Musical and got into a really good conversation about diet in the African-American community and, you know, the history of our food and even some, so, you know, veganism and how we can alter our food to be more healthy. So in this last segment, David, I want to go back to what we were talking about before in your industry and how, I'm just curious how you talked about working from home, things that you're doing. Is there anything that you've seen your colleagues do creatively to, to pivot at this time now that the big performances and big audiences just aren't 
realistic or aren't doable right now? What, what have you seen mm-hmm. people do creatively? That's interesting. So there's a, there's a large group of people who are in, just incredibly optimistic um, or, or haven't seemed to accept the heaviness or the severity of what's going on in our industry. And I can't really comment on that um, because none of us know. So why not be optimistic? Right. Um, uh, then there's a set of people who, and this is probably sort of where I fit in, even though I'm not teaching at the moment, but those of us with the degrees um, or credentials or experience um, are trying to get into sort of the university teaching positions mm-hmm. you know, in the musical theater department or the voice department. Um, I've seen that quite a bit. I've seen quite a bit of my colleagues announce that they are at least adjunct somewhere mm-hmm. or assistant professor somewhere, um, which is great. It's, it's steady yeah. and, and you stay connected to what it is you're doing. And there are some, some of us are trying to create content our own content and um that's been interesting to watch my colleagues you know pull try to try and pull off uh, it's, it's difficult in a pandemic but people are trying to have so many people are trying to have the talk shows and yeah um, you know those you know of us in our industry who have friend who are friends with celebrities or you know people who are known in their field or trying to have these zoom interviews and create enough of a buzz or a following to monetize that mm-hmm. i've seen that i've seen that more than anything hmm. um i've seen that more than hmm. anything myself i thankfully have just been able to maintain work doing this all so yes. i haven't had to pivot very much um i am teaching privately and so that helps um and uh you know, things are coming, projects are coming and, and, and my, my manager is, is sending, is now getting more auditions. Oh, good. So, you know, I'm doing those and, and, or, or preparing to, I haven't done many yet, but preparing to do those. And, um, so that fortunately I haven't mm-hmm. had to pivot very much, but I've, I've seen, I've seen, and some people are just, you know, a good a friend of mine has gone into real estate. And mm-hmm. you know things, things like that. People are doing mm-hmm. that as well, which I, I also commend. Everybody's path is different, and you know why not yeah. do something like that? And as a performer, you always want to keep your options open. Real estate, massage therapy, yoga teacher—all these things are things that you can mm-hmm. create your own schedule and right. and and, and um, monitor your own level of commitment to it in, in proportion to your performing. And so, you know, I commend everybody for, for figuring it out. That's a good point. There are a lot of things that you can, that one can do where you can make your own schedule. I mean, there were before the pandemic, definitely, like you said, yoga teacher, um, massage therapist, a lot of things, a lot of that stuff you can, um, you can do on your own time, especially if you don't work for, a certain business, a certain chain. But definitely now with all the online, you know, you can teach yoga online, you can teach dance online, you can teach music online. So I would imagine that 
the market is a little flooded though too now that you have this huge group of people who are all doing similar things online mm-hmm. um, so I don't know how that works I just know specifically like when you mentioned yoga it's like everybody has their own right right <laughs> well yeah. I'm telling you what people are doing to pivot I'm not saying they're all successful <laughs> Um, some people don't realize, you know, how competitive certain markets are. And with all of, for instance, the yoga thing, um, what it means, especially if you're doing yoga online, you know, it's almost is people are brainless about it. Um, when I do yoga on YouTube or whatever, I, I already know who I'm going to. I don't, I'm not even aware of new people or other people because I'm really just trying to get a decent flow uh, and you know I want it for 20 minutes a day or an hour today or whatever and I just go on there and pick it it's it's really tough to make yourself stand out and garner a following mm. um, with something like that for sure yeah now now one thing that we were talking about earlier was uh, voiceover because I know you had done some voiceover stuff during this time as well. And so I wanted to just talk a little bit about that experience with you doing voiceover and, and also just what voiceover is and what the opportunities are. I know uh, both of us have talked about voiceover a little bit, and I've done some as well. And when I think of voiceover, I think of cartoons. I think of uh, obviously audiobooks because I love audiobooks, but I'm learning that there are a lot of different ways to voiceover encompasses a lot more than just that. Mm -hmm. So what type of voiceover are you doing or, or have you done? And and what does that field look like for people? Well, the voiceover field, the voiceover arena is as large and as vast as saying like, I do music. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, well, do you play the guitar? Are you an opera singer? Are you in a symphony? What does mm-hmm. I do music mean? And it's a voiceover. I mean, it's probably a little more specified than that. That may be, but it's very, it's still, it's, it's very bad. So anytime you are watching something, listening to something, uh, the radio on the radio, mm-hmm. um, voiceover could be, for instance, when you're watching a commercial for an allergy medication uh-huh. and you hear a voice talking to you, you know, about, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it be wonderful to step outside in the spring and take a breath of fresh air without having to sneeze, that sort of thing? <laughs> That's voiceover. Then it's a different kind of voiceover to be that person who... Uh, um, who lists all the the side effects of the medicine in like you have like three seconds to list mm-hmm. about 17 side effects and you speak really fast and uh, you try to hurry and get them out the way so people mm-hmm. don't hear them because they're mm-hmm. so severe. Um, there is obviously what we all know to be voiceovers, animation, yeah. cartoons, um, uh, commercial work, so you might have a commercial, and but then right at the end of the commercial, maybe a car commercial, oh, you'll, right. hear, you'll hear a voice say something to you. Then there's audiobooks. 
Um, and then there are radio spots. There are people when, when there's a trailer for a new movie coming out and they say coming October 29th. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, so that's all voiceover work. That's um, always a man's voice. I just thought about it. I don't think I've ever heard of a woman do a trailer. Like. You know, that you're right about that. And I'm sure that's something that probably is currently being addressed <laughs> as, as we transform in our society. And also there are some really interesting voiceover things that you don't even really understand are voiceover. So... For instance, you might see a, a film with a famous person on a phone call and you hear a voice coming through the other end. Oh. You never see that person. Yeah. Someone's hired to do that. Wow. You know, and you have to audition like that for that or, or submit your reel or whatever, just as much as you would if you were trying to be the voice of, of, of a major cartoon character. Uh-huh. It's a small spot you know you, you might only voice may only be heard for 15 seconds but it's all voiceover work wow yeah i never know that i never thought of mm-hmm. i know some things i learned that were voiceover that i hadn't thought of before were like voices for toys mm-hmm. um, oh yeah oh that's a whole other thing voices <laughs> for things voices for all you go to the airport and they say um uh next stop terminal c uh-huh you have, we have arrived at our stop. Please stand clear of the the closing doors. That's sort of that's all voiceover. When you call somewhere and and they say, uh, you know, for English, press one. Para español, mm-hmm. dos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's all voiceover. Yeah, the uh, phone menus. Mm-hmm. Uh, corporate trainings too. Like we always have to watch these things on privacy like HIPAA stuff or uh, corporate compliance and it's, there's always a narrator so I guess narration too um, that's one that's voiceover that I hadn't really ever thought of until recently mm-hmm. so but you're you did something you did a voice what did you do for voiceover was it like the, the, the character voiceover or was it something a little bit less well known Wait, say that again? You, did you do something for voiceover? Oh, so I have done, and this is a type of voiceover I didn't even mention, which is funny. I once was <laughs> brought in because I speak Italian, and I was asked to do for a, there was a, a Jewish museum that was doing an ex- exhibit on Jews in Italy. Oh. And I was like, the historian voice um, that you would maybe hear like in a documentary and telling the history of of this group of people. And they wanted somebody who would be able to pronounce Italian correctly because there were certain times I had to use certain words or phrases. And um, so I've done that sort of thing. Uh, This latest thing is more, it is voiceover, but, um, it's a lot, it's vocal. Um, and I've also, I did, I was, I was doing uh, 12, I did 12 years a slave. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That, I mean, you, it would be considered voiceover, but um, I was singing. I was singing. So it was really soundtrack. 
Okay. Um, and this thing that I just finished is more on the lines of that. But, um, you know, it's, it's recording, it's voice. I'm not seen. My voice will be heard. Um, so it kind of falls in that voiceover category as well. Um, I would love to do more voiceover work, but because that world is as vast as it is, it has its own sort of ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And while it's related to my industry, uh, in order to, you know, to really be successful in that industry, you have to pursue it. Just right. like you pursue. People think that, oh, it's because I, I do Broadway, I can just walk into a, a voiceover agency and start doing spots for Pepsi and Coke. And, and, and it just it does not work like that at all. There's a, prep, a, a training, a preparation, a whole network of people that you should be familiar with and know and agencies that only do that and companies that only handle that. So, you know, I, I would love I would love to do more for sure. But Although I have done voiceover work, I haven't done like a tremendous amount. That makes sense. It's like the cousin, like your cousin. Voiceover is like your cousin of your industry. Like you're, re- it's related. Yeah. But- yeah. 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 We all have the same union, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have the same family name, so to speak. <laughs> but we go off and do our thing and maybe see each other at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, we're just about out of time. Um, I just wondered if there's any anything else you wanted to add to the conversation, anything we haven't talked about, anything that you might want to promote or anything that you want to tell the listeners today? Uh, I don't necessarily have anything to promote yet. Hopefully soon I'll be able to talk about things that I'm doing uh, with more detail. Um, I currently can't do that, but mm-hmm. for sure, if, if, if listeners would like to follow me on on Instagram, that would be wonderful. Uh, my handle is at Mr. David Huey. So at Mr. David H-U-G-H-E-Y. And that would have everyone have access to the things that I, that I certainly will promote in the near future. Okay. Well, thank you. I, um, at Mr. David Huey, and I also uh, put that in our promotional material just so that people have it. So this has been a great conversation. Thank you for joining us. Um, and thank you for listening today. You're listening to Mastermind. This is Dr. Rebecca Huey, and we have been talking with Mr. David Huey. So we will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Mastermind. Please join us for another show next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.